1: Portions of the day's programming are reproduced by means of electrical transcriptions or tape recording.
2: This is Budweiser's weekday sports beat. Never say never, but never. I plan on leading this team with an unwavering standard.
3: Everybody love everybody.
2: We
4: will call it the golden standard, and this is the standard that will drive this football program to its 12th national
2: championship. With Sean Steyers. I like that guy. What
0: you could do is, is you could have a
2: barbecue on that head. It's happy. a good
0: time, you know what I mean? Yeah.
2: On Sports Radio, 960 AM, double. West BT. He's
0: running down the middle by the 50. He's bare-chested and banging his chest. They're chasing him. They're not going to get him.
2: And now your host, Sean Stiers.
1: Right on time, rolling into Tuesday. Glad to have you with us. Budweiser's weekday sports beat lot coming up on today's show. We'll talk a little NFL draft and Notre Dame football recruiting as well. Coming up at 530, Vince D'Addario is going to join me in the 6 o'clock hour for Rapid Fire. So sit back tight. we got a lot going on. Two days away from the NFL draft. Round one opens up Thursday night, 8 o'clock Eastern time in Las Vegas. Are you anxious? Are you excited? Are you ready for it? To me, it's like uh, maybe a little bit, uh, I don't know, not quite as fired up for the draft as as recent years. I, I think it's because of the lack of quarterbacks personally in this year's uh, draft. But the Jaguars, number one pick for a second straight year. And uh, the Bears and Colts both traded their first-round picks last year. So they don't, uh, you know, this this year's first-round picks, they traded them last year. So the Bears used theirs to move up to take Justin Fields. And, well, the Colts, they wasted theirs <laughs> in the trade to get Carson Wentz, who they've since traded to Washington. But uh, they will both make their – picks in the second round Friday. The first picks for the Bears and Colts in this draft will be Friday when they do rounds two and three. That'll be Friday night and then uh, of course rounds three through seven or four through seven rather are Saturday uh, afternoon. So first round NFL draft and it is in Las Vegas for the first time. Pray for everyone (laughs) that they make it through. Okay well last year the draft and Notre Dame's Blue Gold football game, they were on at the same time. Do you remember that? So, you know, I'm glad they that they're a week apart this year. Which which they've traditionally been anyway, but last year they shared the same weekend, and that was a lot for, you know, for all of us around here. You know, it's like it's just a much better from a content standpoint, you know, for personally speaking anyway, you know, because we talked Blue and Gold game leading up to last week's game we've got some more blue gold content coming out of the game we'll get to here in a minute but you know we've got draft stuff stuff as well now leading up to it again we'll talk to ryan roberts with uh, some specific stuff on the draft and at notre dame football recruiting coming up at 5 30 but had some comments for marcus freeman yesterday and i think the single most important comment that he made after saturday's game was when he was asked how he as a first-time head coach can be a better head coach.
4: Yeah. Recruiting never stops. That's the first thing. Recruiting, 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 right? Today's recruiting. Tomorrow's recruiting. Every day we have to recruit. And every coach has to have that mindset. It's about we have to get the best players in the country that fit this place. And so that's an everyday responsibility, an everyday focus. Um, in terms of, of how do I become a, bed coach, a better coach? And I mean, there's many different ways to enhance what you do. You got to be able to talk to other people um, that are currently head coach or former head coaches. Look at situational football. Um, continue to look back at this spring and say, okay, where, what positions, what schematic uh, areas do we need to improve at, And then try to address them, not, not wait to fall camp as much as what can we do in June? What can we do in July? You know, you got some coaches going away, but coaches that are here, we have to all maximize the opportunities that we have to be around our
1: players. And there you go. You know, and that first part being the most important part, recruiting, 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 Never stops. And you know, that's pretty much what it comes down to. Just keep recruiting. You know, they've had a couple of commitments since Saturday's game. The first commit, the twenty-four of the twenty twenty-four class, is defensive lineman Brandon Davis Swain. Last night they got a big commit from four-star offensive lineman Sam Pendleton. So they're on their way. And a lot of other stuff coming out of the blue gold weekend with all those visitors. As well, and again, we'll have more on those guys in just a few minutes with Ryan Roberts from IrishBreakdown.com. One of the concerns to come out of Saturday's Blue Gold game was the kicking game. Josh Bryan, Blake Groupy, they combined to hit just one of four field goal attempts, and it's a concern that Freeman knows has to be addressed. Got to improve. That's a huge
4: challenge, and we had a scrimmage a couple weeks ago that. I mean, wasn't pleased, and we tried to challenge them during the week. And, um, and obviously, today, I think we're one for four. And so, I mean, if we want to be a championship caliber football team, we better improve at the kicking and game. And, and, you know, then we have a muff punt that, that we have to make sure that doesn't happen. And so we got to make better decisions, and we have to improve at the areas um, that, that need improvement and then enhance the areas that we're, we're pretty well at.
1: Yeah, that was a disappointing thing. And, you know, they kind of, well, I mean, to put it, Quite bluntly, you know, they already got groupie in the grad transfer market after he kicked pretty well at Arkansas State in his time there. He and Bryant, yeah, they've just, just both had an inconsistent spring from what we were able to see. And then other things you hear coming out of practice, you know, they're going to be adding a punter, John Sott. He's coming in from Harvard via the transfer portal this summer. So, you know, we'll see if they try to add another kicker three misses Saturday and they were not long kicks Brian missed from 37 and 48 the 48 yarder was the longest one and again that is not overly long you're talking about the 38 yard line is where you're spotting it 38 plus the you know the 10 yards for the end zone so a 48 yard field goal not that long groupie missed from 41 his only make was from 36 so you know again they're one of four and the only one they made was a 36-yard field goal. That's basically a chip shot. So that has got to get a lot better. You just There's just no way around that. You cannot be that inconsistent in the kicking game and expect that you're going to have a good season. Now, one of the brighter spots in Saturday's blue-gold game, of course, was running back Jadarian Price. Freshman early enrollee, he had one of the highlights, the 51-yard catch and run on the screen pass from Steve Angelic.
4: Yeah, I think I said it on the air. it's just that we had, I think, 14 incoming freshmen, and, and you know, the misconception is that if you come in early, like it's going to give you a better chance to play. And, and you know what? If, if you're a guy that's going to be able to play early, you're going to come in in June or coming in January. You're going, to, we're going to know. And he's one of those guys. He's going to be able to help us. And uh, you saw it from the very first and second spring practice. And so he's a guy that understands. Um, the big picture in terms of the playbook, um, he still has to learn and do, but he's a guy that can make things happen. Um, that The transition from high school to college wasn't too big for him.
1: Yeah, yeah I mean, he made it happen out there Saturday. That's uh, that's for sure. We saw some of that. And um, he's, he's someone who's been making a splash as an early enrollee, as, as Marcus Freeman was kind of alluding to there. I mean, it's obviously the reason he was able to play in the spring game because he enrolled early because he is a true freshman. Nine carries for just 17 yards out of the backfield, but eight receptions for 104 yards and 51 of it came on the touchdown catch on that pass from Angeli. And here is Price afterward discussing that play from Saturday's game.
5: Yeah, we practiced that play a lot over the spring. Uh, Coach McCullough actually told me I was getting out a little slow, but just seeing Zeke and those guys right in front of me, it was like, man open field so once I got in the end zone I, I really didn't know what to do I was like man this really just happened but just seeing those guys love on me and uh, uh hype me up it was it was an amazing experience so that is Jadarian Price the freshman and his
1: position coach Delan McCullough was the head coach of the gold team Saturday and it was it was interesting because we talked about this last week he made Price the second running back drafted or the second running back he drafted I guess McCullough Took Price as uh the second running back off the board. Logan Diggs was drafted by the blue team. Here's McCullough on his decision to draft Jadarian Price.
3: But as far as JD is concerned, um, I think it was shown in the in the draft what my thoughts were with him. You know, I mean we had an opportunity to do some other things. Thought JD was doing a great job during this spring and wanted to see how he would respond, basically being the primary guy. He did a good job.
1: Yep, responded pretty well, responded pretty well. And again, not great. But nobody was really uh, out of, you know, strictly running the football out of the backfield. But between the two teams, one team averaged 3.5 yards per carry, the other averaged 3.4. So kind of tough sledding there. Give some credit to the defense and the fact that you had, a, you know, mixed offensive lines and all that different kind of stuff. And, and um, you know, there was no Tyler Buckner out there as well, and that would have made a difference as well. But uh, McCullough obviously, you know, holds price in pretty high regard he took him over Chris Tyree who didn't play a lot Saturday and he took him over Andre Kestame as well and uh, Price says his position coach well he was kind of dropping some hints in the days leading up that uh, you know to the to the draft that maybe he had him in his sights
5: you know he just kept giving me clues he's he'll look at me like JD I'm I'm counting on you I I didn't know what that meant but now I know (laughs)
1: So, uh, yeah, so he knew, apparently, what was uh, what was going on. Apparently, there was some uh, some talk going in before that. But, uh, you know, in terms of the running backs, Price really seemed to get kind of the most buzz this spring, and everything that we saw on Saturday really backed that up. And, you know, again, you're talking about a freshman early enrollee. He left his Denison, Texas uh, high school behind, enrolled early at Notre Dame, Came in. So, how did Price feel like? How how soon was he able to kind of fit in here?
5: Really, the third practice when we were we went uh, live. You know, just just hit. I got my first welcome to college football experience when Maris hit me in practice. So, that really uh, prepared me to you know this this is real. And I'm going to go out and show what I can do. So,
1: and again, you know, we we were able to see that and uh, heard good things about him during practices. What uh, what practices we were able to see saw good things. As
5: well, and here's what Price
1: says he was able to prove this spring by
5: being. I here. was very confident. Uh, some of the things I did over spring ball um, turned a lot of heads, and I'm glad that I had the support behind me and just you know keep pushing me along the way. So I may be a young guy on this team, but I'm willing to do whatever needs to be done. I'm willing to do you know whatever role I need to play in order for us to to win, and that's what it's all about. So
1: be really interested to see kind of what that role looks like now as uh you know he's a freshman. What's that going to look like? Well here's how he describes his game.
5: Um, maybe limited steps. I'm, you know, one cut and I'm just gone.
1: One cut and gone. Limited. I don't know how limited, but uh take that cut and uh take that speed that he showed with it as well. As he was able to accelerate, you know, again, even though not a whole lot actually running the football, but that screen pass, that fifty-one yards, he had to uh to to find another gear and uh, get away from some guy, you know, fad had some uh, some blocks out in front of him as that thing developed and he was able to get it upfield and get it to the end zone Saturday for a uh, the longest touchdown play of the game. So as for Delan McCullough, again, the head coach of uh of the gold team and the running back coach coming in here. And he's he's talked about the fact that he wants to be a head coach and a head coach in college football. It is part of why he came here and uh, turned out an opportunity to go to the New York Giants for a chance to be the running backs coached there. So here's what it meant to McCullough to be the head coach for the gold Saturday.
3: Well, I embraced it big time because, you know, that was one of the things, although it was, you know, it's a spring game, I get that, but, you know, that's one of my ultimate goals. So I think, you know, that and some other reasons he had, it was a great opportunity for me to step up in the leadership position and um, just really command the room, get the guys on the same page, put together a plan. I ain't never called plays before, you know. Um, So I was digging into the Chiefs archive. Um, A couple of those big plays were directly from Kansas City. Um, But at the end of the day, just the heart and guts that the guys showed. And um, Steve taking us down the field in the end, man, it was just, marvelous you
1: know <laughs> yes marvelous and uh, Steve of course being Steve Angelli who scored that game winning touchdown at the end on the 10-yard run as he scrambled and and found his way dove for the pylon able to hit that pylon unlike uh, Indiana's Penix a couple of years ago didn't think about that when Delay McCullough was down there you remember that game but uh, here's uh, more from Delay McCullough on Steve Angelli in that run.
3: Well, I mean, when we went into that last drive, we just knew, you know, I mean, evidently just what time and everything and the challenge was made to those guys that if you want it and we talked about wanting it and it's about us and coming out there and just, you know, overcoming odds and we said, we want it, we're going to show it right now. And we went out and we had the penalty to start, (laughs) you know, but (laughs) but nonetheless, I mean, we regrouped and went down the field. So Steve, I mean, it was, you know, the play, um, the play called, it was some not confusion, but it was a little bit of disorientation out on the perimeter of that, and Steve took it in his own hands, knew it was the last play of the game, and, man, it was just great to see him, you know, go through and and be the guy to get us over the top. He had been had a great attitude these last few days, and I was just really happy to see him in that position.
1: Yeah, and, I mean, he only had, what, about 10 seconds or so when when uh, the ball was snapped, so, you know, he didn't have a whole lot of time. He kind of went through, looked, nothing there, took off and ran, and, and, again, was able to find that that pylon with the football to, uh, to end the game and uh, give the win to the gold. And, you know, again, the score to us really doesn't matter. You know, the, the, you know, watching it, what matters is the development of the players, what they look like, what kind of takeaways we have. Obviously, we react and overreact and all those different things. The score to us doesn't matter, but I think it's pretty cool that from the draft that they put together and the way they were able to produce it, and you know, like starting with Marcus Freeman, challenge everything from the time he was hired, and just kind of laying the foundation. What they were able to accomplish over the course of the spring, and and they turned it into a pretty competitive situation. There was trash talk. There was a lot of fun with it. The whole deal. Another guy who, of course, is uh, in the position group with McCullough is Audric Estime, and uh, the bigger, the biggest. Of the running backs that the fighting irish have and uh, here's some of uh, mccullough's appraisal of audric Estime.
3: the same thing y'all seen today uh, over and over again i mean audric is impressive um his ability to break tackles um his attention to detail um, the fundamentals and the technique that he operates with um, the great attitude Um, He got really, really good feet. You know, you would think big guy like that. He didn't get to really show it as much today, man. This guy can run really good routes. So again, I feel um, extremely um, comfortable and confident with the backs that we have, and I think you know some of those things were shown today.
1: Yeah, I mean those feet. You know, that's that's kind of uh, what comes to mind when you you know when you when you look at and he's got good hands as well. You see him as a receiver of the ball. He's five eleven, just a you know a shade under. 230 and and you know like he wears that 24 Marshawn Lynch wears 24 Lynch a bigger guy. Lynch is only around 215-220. So estimate is actually even a little bit, you know, thicker than Marshawn Lynch, but again, really good feet, nice hands as well and uh, just saw some good things out of him Saturday and again, uh, you know, good good word on him coming out of the spring and and uh, just everything you hear about him. Here is a final thought now from Delan McCullough talking about the energy that the team had. You know, I- I've talked about the energy that the team had. You know, this spring and on Saturday, the Blue Gold game and all that. What about the energy of this new coaching staff?
3: Well, you hit it right there. Is the energy? You know, just the way that all the guys mesh. Um, everybody feeds off each other. You know, um, Tom. Led by Tommy Reese. I mean, this guy's phenomenal. His energy is unbelievable. You know, being across from him today was challenging daunting you know because i know um, his competitive spirit and his will to win you know so um, again just tip my hat to him he put together a great plan over there um, he knew the situation i was in um, as far as being a first-time play caller but it was a, a fun event today but to go back to your main question you know i mean just um, great energy amongst the guys you know um, wanting to continue to learn wanting to continue to grow we're talking about challenge everything. Is one of the golden standards, and that's what happens in that room in a positive way. So I think you know it's a great things to come as this season goes on with all of the minds we have in that offensive room.
1: So there you go, DeLay McCullough, coach of the gold team of the Blue Gold game the other day, and of course the running back coach as well for the Fighting Irish. Couple of uh, basketball notes: the men's basketball team got a commitment from a grad transfer yesterday, Marcus Hammond from Niagara. He's a a guard. He averaged 18.1 points a game for Niagara this past season. 43% from the field, 37% from three-point range, and that's pretty important. 68 of 184. So, uh, uh you know, a good three-point option that Mike Bray will be able to add to the Irish. Sounds like a pretty, pretty solid uh, addition to the team. When you're losing a couple of guards already, Blake Wesley. Prentice Hub for sure. They did get you know the word last week that Dane Goodwin is coming back, so this sounds like a good addition. And then of course you've got JJ Starling and a couple more freshmen coming in next year. And JJ Starling has been upgraded to a five-star recruit. Does it matter? I don't know, but uh, that's according to 24 Sports rankings anyway. Uh, He's a six-four combo guard. He's now the number one player from the state of New York. The number five combo guard in the country and the number 22 player overall in the 2022 class, J.J. Starling. He's he's from Baldwinsville, New York, but he's actually played just down the road here from South Bend last year at the Lalamere Prep School. So uh, a couple of uh, notable things there for Mike Bray in the Fighting Irish. Marcus Hammond transferring in from Niagara, shooting guard, and then J.J. Starling, the top recruit in next year's class, is uh, the number one player now in the state of New York and the number 22 player overall in the class of 2022 next year. So a couple of uh, good positive things there for Mike Bray and the Fighting Irish. We're going to take a timeout. When we come back, we'll talk a little NFL draft as well as Notre Dame football recruiting. Ryan Roberts is going to join me. Coming up next on Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. we're brought to you by Budweiser, of course, the king of beers, locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Sports fans, this month's for you. By Tim Growl, State Farm Insurance, save money on home and auto insurance with Tim. Serving both Indiana and Michigan, call 574-232-9981. Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger, serving our community while serving Michiana's most favorite pizza since 1978. And the Food Bank of Northern Indiana. Hunger is a story we can end. Find out how at feedindiana.org. NFL Draft Talk and Notre Dame Football Recruiting is next on Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat continues on Sports Radio 960 AM WSBT. We're two days away from the NFL Draft. We're just what? Two, three days removed from the Blue Gold game, a lot of recruits, or uh, yeah, recruits, in for the weekend. So we've got a lot to talk about today with Ryan Roberts from uh, IrishBreakdown.com as well as risendraft.com. This has got to be about the busiest week of the year for you, I would imagine, huh?
6: I mean, it's it's always busy around draft time, and then when you add in all the uh, blue gold game, um, you know <laughs> stuff. You know, we we me and my wife actually traveled down with the baby to just That's be right. there in person. That's right. Yeah, I mean, it was a wonderful day. It was beautiful. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. But then, you know, g- kind of heading back to Jersey and getting on the horn with a bunch of recruits and just trying to figure out, you know, how the weekends went and and all that type of recruiting movement going right into this week where you're you know, doing radio spots and trying to get through a lot of the rumor mills that's kind of going Mm -hmm. around the NFL draft circuit. So, yeah, to say the least, it's been a busy few hours.
1: Yep, absolutely, absolutely. Well, let's jump into this. Let's tackle some draft stuff first. Of course, we've got, you know, the top prospects for Notre Dame, Kyle Hamilton, Kyron Williams, Kevin Austin. There's some other guys out there as well. Jack Cohn, Myron Tangavaloa, Mosa, to name a couple of others who maybe aren't talked about as much as those big three. But any kind of latest buzz on some of the, you know, top Notre Dame draft prospects right now?
6: Yeah, I talked to somebody that's very close, um, connected to the NFL, just to try to get a feel, you know, if I'm kind of on a similar wavelength. And for the most part, everything's pretty consistent. I'll say just some quick notes that I have. Kyle Hamilton is still viewed mostly across the league as a top 10 player in this class. So. Okay. I know there's been kind of a lot of conversations, you know, could he fall out of the top 10? Could he be the 11th pick to the Washington Commanders? Could he fall below that? I think there's a good chance that he still is somewhere in that top 10, kind of number 10 to the New York Jets being a little bit of his floor to a degree. But I, I would I will say that there were a couple teams apparently that did drop him out of the top 10 because of the 4-5-9-40, you know, and sure. I, I, I would push back against that a little bit, you know, because last week obviously we talked about what the context of that 40 is, but I think for the most part, though, Kyle's stock has kind of stayed relatively the same going into the process. So that was good to hear. Kyron Williams is a player that, I mean, last week when I talked to you, I I think I mentioned, you know, I I think fourth-round range is probably a good spot for him. I was told that the majority of the teams, a lot of teams, have third-round grades actually on Kyron Williams. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean he's going to go in the third round. That just means that that's where they value him, and, you know, obviously you're going to have the – you know, the, you know, the value of the running back position and how that goes into the evaluation. But another good thing to hear, you know, some teams have fourth round grades on him, but he is well liked across the league because he brings a baseline as a really good pass receiver as a running back and a good blocker. So a guy that I think is going to play a lot of football on the next level. And I think that he has a chance to sneak into day two somewhere, somewhere in the third okay. rounds. Okay. The. Surprise, one I, I guess to a degree. I thought Kevin Austin was firmly in third or fourth round conversation. I was told that a lot of a lot of teams still have late round grades on him, um, so he might not actually go in that fourth round range. Dependent upon, I mean, it only takes one team to really fall in love with a player, so right. it's always possible that he'll go a little higher after the combine performance that he had, and then he had another nice showing at pro day running routes. But NFL teams are still kind of doing their their homework on him and the due diligence because the I mean, to be very honest, the the tape did not quite match what the athletic profile would suggest. So he's a guy that might not go as high as some people maybe would think at the moment just based upon his combine performance. Jack Cohn is, I think he's a safe, draftable player. I'm told most most teams have mid- mid to late-round grades on him. There are some teams that obviously question the upside. You know, is he a starting quarterback long-term? Most likely not, so that might drop, drop him down a little bit, but... I would be very surprised at this point if Jack Cone is not drafted um, this, okay. this weekend. So, and the last guy that that we talked about, you mentioned a little bit in the intro, Myron tangovailoa Mosa is the, is the last guy that has received some draftable hype um, of the Notre Dame crew. So, there are, is a large variety though to him. Yeah, to exactly, exactly. There's. There are some teams that have early day three grades on them, and there's some teams that have UDFA. So there's everything there in between. So my sources believe that there's a shot somewhere maybe in the fifth round, sixth round, somewhere in that ballpark, depending on when kind of that second and third wave of edge rushers comes off the board. But I, I just think it's just such a deep draft that I wouldn't be surprised if he goes UDFA. I wouldn't be surprised if he goes sixth or seventh. He's I think he's really kind of a fringe player to get drafted at this point.
1: You know, Ryan, we talked about some comps for Kyle Hamilton last week. Is there, you know, maybe a, a pro running back or two who you would comp Kyron Williams to? It, you know, anyone off the top of your head?
6: Yeah, I think that a couple comps I've seen out there, some people like James White from New England, who's obviously been a really good pass receiver for them. I've heard even some people say he's maybe not as explosive, but an Austin Eckler from the L.A. Chargers this guy. A guy that I really think, though, Sean, that he reminds me a lot of is Devonta Freeman, who was okay. you know, a really good player for Atlanta for a few years. He's kind of bounced yeah. around the last couple. But I just really like the kind of similar running styles. You know, they're a little bit of shorter, stockier backs. They have really good contact balance. And there's nothing flashy about him, but I, Kyron just strikes me as somebody that is going to get an opportunity in the NFL. People are going to kind of paint him as this just third-down specialist. And then he's going to be a Philip Lindsay type where, like, he rushes for 1,000 yards early in his career. Like, I, I just – I have kind of learned not to bet against Kyron Williams because the kid's <laughs> competitive nature is just unmatched, man. Like, you can't – you can't – you can tell me he runs 4.65. We can quantify that all you want. I don't think you can quantify just how tough of a, a competitor that Kyron Williams is.
1: Yep, agreed. Definitely agree. With that. Yeah. And, you know, he's he's kind of pushed back on anyone who wants to talk about him as a third down back and that kind of stuff. I mean, there are worse things in the world than starting your NFL career with that. But obviously, you know, you can earn more opportunities just being on a team and kind of going from there. So I think there's I think there's a lot in front of Karen Williams still. All right. Well, let's shift into some Notre Dame football recruiting talk. Now and again, of course, the uh, NFL draft is Thursday, and you can find more of Ryan's stuff, his draft stuff at RyzenDraft.com. Uh Notre Dame got a big commitment yesterday, 2023 offensive lineman Sam Pendleton. So what can you tell us about Pendleton?
6: Yeah, Sam is a really intriguing football player because he's he's a guy that has not gotten a lot of attention until the last few months, because he's not a kid that likes to go to the Under Armour camps or just the camps in general, which I mean we know in this social media world and just how the recruiting platforms work. That's where a lot of the star rankings come from, you know, and that's how people, uh, recruits tend to get recognized. So he's not one of those guys. He's very non-assuming. He's kind of a very business-like type of individual. So his first offer actually didn't come until this last October, which is the October of his junior year, which is pretty late for guys to start getting their offers. And since then, I mean, he's gotten a plethora of offers. He went down to his final four coming into the decision was, Notre Dame, the University of Florida, Michigan, and North Carolina State. And he's a kid that is coming out of the state of North Carolina. So there were some people early on that actually thought that, you know, the, the Clemson would be like an, a pretty big front-runner for him. And he, they were, honestly, for a little bit. And then once everything kind of really started to heat up, because he actually didn't get his Notre Dame offer until uh, the last month, March 16th. So they they really identified him late, obviously. Coach Easton identified him. And they got on him very quickly – and within a couple weeks, he made his made his his visit to Notre Dame, and as soon as he got on campus, it was pretty much over. I remember the first time I talked to him, he said, you know, basically something like, "I wanted to, I wanted to hear from Notre Dame since my recruitment started. Like that was a team that I wanted to hear from." And once he did came on campus, developed his relationship with Coach He stands, it was kind of a done deal at that point. You know, like staying near home is not a, a huge. A huge thing for him. He wants to go to a program that can develop him properly, and and I think that having Coach He stand back as the offensive line coach is a big reason why Sam Pendleton's coming to camp uh, coming uh, next next year. But he's a really talented player out of State of North Carolina, four star kid, six four, three hundred five pounds listed, really talented offensive tackle on his level that projects probably better inside the guard and i even think that he could play center so i think it's a really big get first offensive line recruit uh to commit since coach he came back so i, I yeah. think it's a nice starting point for the offensive line class for 2023 yeah
1: absolutely good uh good early get for for mr he well it was a big recruiting weekend as well blue gold weekend and as you mentioned you were in town for that so any big takeaways you know, overall and, you know, as well as how the staff handled the blue gold game from that aspect?
6: Yeah, I, I thought it was incredibly well done by the staff. You know, they had a giant list of visits that were, you know, on campus. And, you know, for anybody that isn't signed up at irishbreakdown.com, you can go on the message board and you can kind of see the visitor list from this past weekend. And, I mean, 2023 – 2024 kids we even had they even had a commit from another uh, another player in the 2024 class their first one in that class Brandon Davis um, Swain who is a defensive lineman out of the state of Michigan which was a nice grab for Al Washington so it was an electric weekend I think that one of the biggest headlines is you know they had right around 300 former alumni on campus which was fantastic to see I mean you saw guys like Aaron Taylor and Rocket Ishmael and Mike McGlinchy was there, Big Q, uh, Ian Book, Cole Komet. There, there were so many fantastic former players on campus, which really really spoke, and spoke to uh, a lot of the recruits that were on campus. Like I spoke to Monroe Freeling from South Carolina, who's one of the top offensive tackle recruits in the class for Notre Dame. And he was just talking about his experience just being able to sit down and talk to guys like Aaron Taylor, who was, you hmm. know, just accepted his award for being inducted into the College Football Hall of yeah. Fame. So. I think, I think Notre Dame did a fantastic job getting the alumni involved, presenting this type of weekend. And it was also, you know, 70 something degrees in South Bend, which, <laughs> when it was, that. yeah, it was snowing a few days earlier, man. So those guys, those kids that were coming from Texas, a couple, a uh, couple kids out of t- the state of Texas, Keon Keeley came back up from Florida. They got, they got the good weather to say the least.
1: Yeah. Because it's uh, in the low forties <laughs> today, by the way. So that weather was right on time. Best. Best weather weekend that we've had of the year so far. That's yep. for sure. Well, you know, there's another guy uh, who committed. I almost forgot about the 2024 defensive line commit, Brandon Davis Swain. What do you know about him?
6: Yeah, he's a really intriguing player. Um, apparently, he has a pretty good relationship with Khalid Kareem that came out of the university, uh, came out of the state of Michigan. Excuse me. And I think that, especially Brian, thinks this tremendously. That he kind of reminds him a little bit of Khalid coming out, six foot four. 240 pounds already as a sophomore Mm. out of the state of Michigan, and he's just an incredibly long player that plays a little bit inside outside for his high school. So I think Notre Dame sees him as a strong side defensive end or potentially moving inside the three tech. So 240 pounds already as a sophomore, he's got a lot of a lot of offers to say the least at this point. I think he's right around 20 offers already as only a sophomore. He's a a top 100 recruit by a couple different platforms. So massive get the first commits of the defensive line that Al Washington has landed and he got 2024 kicked off man so it was it was good stuff to see uh to see the 2024 board already get somebody on board
1: yep no kidding both lines getting some commits over the last couple of days just in the wake of the blue gold game and there were uh some talented pass catchers who uh made some waves this past weekend can you give us an update on them
6: yeah, it's, it's been really exciting in that department. Chancey Stuckey landed his first commit of the class a couple of weeks ago in Braylon James that we spoke about, the wide receiver out of Texas. There were a couple other really highly rated wide receivers on campus. One was also out of the state of Texas, Jaden Greathouse, who is um, he's one of the better prospects, not only in the state of Texas, but one of the better wide receivers in, in the country. And he comes from Westlake High School, which is one of the better high schools, not only in Texas, but in the nation as well. So he was coming off a twelve hundred plus yard season, double-digit touchdowns, only sixty-six catches, big body, six foot two, two hundred and ten pounds, really physically well put together kid and an advanced route runner for his age. And they were in a good position for what it was, because they didn't offer Jaden until he was I think it was January first, was when he got his official offer. But the interesting tidbit on him is that his first offer came from Baylor, which Coach Stuckey came from. And although Coach Stuckey was not not on the staff as the wide receiver coach yet at Baylor, he obviously had been really connecting with him and developing a a really nice relationship with Jaden. And I thought that it was going to be a big weekend, obviously, for Jaden because he liked Notre Dame a ton coming in, but he had never been to campus yet. But anytime that you really like the Notre Dame program before you even visit – I feel like as soon as you visit, it really kind of takes it up a notch. So they knocked it out of the park. I'd be willing to say that Notre Dame is the leader coming out of the visit. We'll see exactly what the timeline's looking like as far as when, how far he wants to take this commitment out. But Notre Dame could not have done better. And it's a similar kind of story, Sean, honestly, to how they did with Rodney Gallagher out of the state of Pennsylvania. He's a kid that if you go to Laurel Highlands, he is a dynamic dual-threat quarterback for the team, projects best as a slot receiver, really dynamic kid in space, also a Division I-level basketball player who had scholarship offers to the University of Illinois, uh, among a couple other Power 5 schools. So, dynamic athlete, and another kid that he kind of put his recruitment on hold a little bit because he was cu- just coming off a playoff run in, this, in the basketball for state playoffs. So, he didn't start taking visits until this month. So, there was interest for a lot of schools, but you didn't really know exactly who he liked, who he didn't like. And he just released his top eight. Notre Dame was a part of it. Another guy that I think coming out of the visit, he he told me that it, this visit surprised him in the best possible way. I hmm. think he had expectations, but it even exceeded how much he liked Notre Dame kind of coming into the visit. So I think that not only are they the leaders for Jaden Greathouse, I believe they also might be a leader for a guy like a Rodney Gallagher. So Chansey Stuckey came in to this, this job at Notre Dame with not much of a recruiting background because he'd only been coaching on the collegiate level for one season prior to this year. Yeah. And I think he's answering a lot of questions from the recruiting side of things. He is, I mean, he, he's already landed a top 100 receiver in Braylon James, and he looks like that he's trending in the right direction with two more top 100 kids. So it looks like the wide receiver group is going to be in good hands for 2023. All right.
1: Sounds good. Sounds good. Well, you know, and we're. We're sitting here, we're what? The the end of April is Saturday, you know? So uh, we're we're almost at the end of the month of April right now when we flip the month to calendar, uh, you know, the, the 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 calendar to the month of May, do, do you think that that maybe uh, we should expect uh, a lot of commitments coming in for the fighting Irish at that point?
6: I think it's very possible. I actually expected maybe a couple more in the month of April, but I mean, you got Jabron Payne in the 2022 class. We got Braylon James in 2023. You got Sam Pendleton in the 2023, and then you got uh, Brandon Davis Swain in 2024. So, I mean, four commits in the month of April is a good number. I think it's going to exceed that number next month. I I know that they are in good positions with kids like uh, Jaden Lamar, the running back. Um, out of the state of Washington, Sullivan Absher, who was on campus, um, out of the out of North Carolina. I mentioned Monroe Freeling; they're in a good spot with him, the offensive lineman out of South Carolina. They're trending in the right direction with a lot of kids. So I'd be willing to say that if if the over under is set at four and a half, I'm going to go over on, on that four and a half because I, I think that they have put themselves in a really good position with a lot of their. Top guys on the board right
1: now. All right. Sounds good. Ryan Roberts from IrishBreakdown.com, where he covers Notre Dame Football Recruiting and Ryzen where he covers the NFL draft. Get your sleep and uh enjoy the week. And, you know, then we we just do it all over again next year, right?
6: Absolutely, man. Rinse and repeat. Thank you so much, Sean. <laughs> I appreciate a, it. All right, absolutely.
1: Ryan Roberts, IrishBreakdown.com and Risandraft.com. We'll take a timeout and we come back. Talked a little um Notre Dame men's basketball in our last segment and the Notre Dame women got a uh, a transfer who is coming in now as well we've talked about them and the fact that they had three players enter the transfer portal now they've had someone who's going to be transferring in I'll tell you who that is coming up next on Budweiser's weekday sports beat
2: you're listening to Budweiser's weekday sports beat with Sean Styers. On Sports Radio, 960 AM, WSBT. Who wants to have some fun? Rapid Fire starts now on Sports Radio, 960 AM, WSBT. And now your host, Sean Stiers.
1: Along with Vince D'Addario tonight, Rapid Fire and Budweiser's weekday sports beat. Vince out and about going from one place to another. Are are you actually paying the tab right now for your dinner? (laughs)
2: Tab already paid and meal about three quarters of the way through. Oh, nice.
1: Very nice.
2: Yes. Okay. All right. I'll be utilizing the mute button to
1: chew. Don't worry. Okay. Where are you headed today? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm headed to New Prairie for ah. yet another high school track meet. All right. Well, I hope the cell phone reception sticks then. Well, as you...
2: <laughs> I was thinking about that as you mentioned it in the, when we were talking during the break. And I was like, you know what? I think I'm going to stay in the South Bend area until 7 o'clock.
1: You got some time. Okay. All right. Good deal. Yes. <laughs> Bundle up out there because it is not nearly as nice as it was Saturday. That's for sure. So, uh,
2: Not even close to Saturday, but at least the sun is out, and so it doesn't That's make true. It quite as bad. That's true. And, but, yeah, it's still pretty stinking cold. We just got done with practice, and uh, I'm glad that I'm indoors at the moment. Yep,
1: I don't, I don't blame you. I don't blame you. All right, <laughs> fill, in the, fill in the blank on our first question tonight. Your biggest takeaway from the Blue-Gold game is blank. Oh, man. My biggest takeaway is probably –
2: that the defense is going to be really, really good this year. Um, and I know that that's kind of been the case for the past few Notre Dame teams. They've, they've kind of, you know, ridden the defense, and, and the defense has taken them where they wanted to go. And I don't think that that's necessarily going to be the case. I think the offense is going to pull their weight, but we didn't see that in the, in the blue-gold game because there were pieces missing, you know, pretty significant pieces.
0: Yeah. And, uh,
2: but the defense, on the other hand, man, they are going to be so fast and they're going to be so athletic and they're going to be flying to the football. And I think this defense is going to be just so much fun to watch.
1: They were pretty impressive. And, you know, again, it's like when you split the squad and, you know, both sides, obviously, you you know, it's like, ah, how how impressed can you get? But I just, there were just, some good things from that you're like Brandon Joseph really he stood out oh. to me you know watching him come down a hill and and you know I loved the fact that you know here's here's a guy he's tackling Audric Estime, and he's, he's not d- making the mistake that there were a couple guys on the defense making trying to tackle this big guy up around the numbers he's like <laughs> right. he's down at the ankles and doing what you've got to do if you're going to bring a big guy down you know and I love seeing that and just you know the defensive line; so many different good things to see from them. My my biggest so I like what you're saying about the defense, and I guess mine mine are twofold. The, the, you know, Drew Pine, I was really hoping to see some improvement from him, and sure. I you know, and I realized there were he had a couple flashes, and I don't want to overreact and all that kind of stuff. But it's like, you know, he. You know, and again, the sample size was not huge last year, but between last year's Blue Gold game and the two games that we got to see him in, he's a 50% passer, and you've got to be more mm-hmm. than a 50% passer. Now, he was slightly improved from that, I guess, you know, to to at least up around 60%, but the bad was bad, right? I mean, there's just right. there's just all, and I'll let you kind of comment on that. There's just no way around it. The the bad was bad. Two interceptions and just the erratic nature of of how he was throwing the ball, especially early on, that was was not good from a guy who is essentially one snap away from being on the field at any given time next season.
2: Well, and I think that's what got people so, you know, up in arms, I guess, Notre Dame fans, about the quarterback play on Saturday. Because, look, Drew Pine had an opportunity, a really good opportunity on Saturday to just kind of – keep people at bay, if right. you will. You know what right. I mean? Just tell everybody to relax. I got this. You know, maybe I'm not going to be the starter, which I don't think anybody believes that he will be. But, you know, if something happens, I got this. And I don't think he did anything to really help his cause, uh, so to speak. Now, I will say this. I think Dupine is going to be just fine as a number two quarterback, right? I, I think that, you know, he can come in. He can win you, uh, you know, a game in the clutch if need be. If somebody goes – if, you know, Tyler Buckner goes down in the middle of the game, I think he'll be fine. He could be fine for, you know, one or two games, stretch. If if it's more than that, then I think, you know, you're going to have some issues. Um, I don't think Drew Pine necessarily can get you, you know, he's not going to be able to go to the horseshoe, I don't think, and lead this team to victory. I I don't think that, right? And I don't think that he can – beat Clemson, for example, but there's plenty of stretches in this schedule that he can win for you. Where he
1: should be adequate enough, especially if if the offensive line is as improved as we think it should be by then, and the running game is something that he can lean on more. That's
2: exactly right, and will it be as dynamic of an offense with Drew Pine at the helm? No, it won't, but there's weapons that he has at his disposal that he will be able to utilize and be successful with, right? I don't think that was necessarily the Drew Pine that we would see in a real game, but at the same time, he didn't do anything to quell the worries of the Irish faithful. Yeah, I mean, right? I mean, he just didn't. the
1: The biggest thing you're looking for from Drew Pine is, is, you know, again, one, be a little bit more consistent throwing the ball, but most importantly. Sure. And and along with that, make the layups, you know, because like, and that's what we were talking, Darren and I were talking about this when we were broadcasting the game Saturday, like he had the little short pass where the guy is, you know, like a body length away from him and he's all over the place with that throw. It's like literally the definition of just make your layups, make the simple plays. And he wasn't able to do that. But, but even on top of all that, don't make the fatal flaw and the two interceptions obviously being, the fatal flaws. You just can't have that. You you don't have to be the guy to go out and win the game. Just don't be the guy who makes the mistake that's going right. to lose the game. You know that's essentially what you're looking for absolutely. from Drew Pine.
6: No,
2: absolutely. And I I think I do feel moving forward that he could be that guy. I just it, you know he was in a tough spot asking him to be on both teams and all of these different things, but at the same time. It was not his best outing. No. And now people are like, they got to go to the portal. They got to do this. They got to do that. Look, if Tyler Buckner's healthy, they're going to be just fine. Tyler Buckner's an elite quarterback, and I still believe that Yeah, everything that I believe, right? But, you know, Drew Pine's going to need to be better. There's no question about it.
1: Well, Drew Pine's my biggest takeaway, and I, and kind of a 1B, maybe, situation, I would... I. I. I we've taken i think everyone kind of you take kicking for granted and uh, you know you're you're the father of a kicker so maybe you can <laughs> speak to this even more it's i i was not ready for it you know again it's it's one day but the things that we heard you know coming out of spring practice this kicking game has been pretty inconsistent and i think we saw what we've been hearing about you know on saturday And that'll lose you a game, you know, that'll lose you a close game. They've got to be much better kicking the football through the uprights than what we saw when, you know, a 48-yarder is the longest that we saw out there, you know, the longest attempt. That is not, you know, that's you're kicking from the 38-yard line on a 48-yard attempt. It has got to be much better. And I'm wondering what they're going to do to address that. You know, they've already obviously brought in one guy through the portal you know like do they go out and look for another guy even? I don't know.
2: Well, I don't think there is anybody out there. I mean, it's, that's the thing. You're you're getting to the point where there's not going to be a bunch of kickers in the portal that are clutch. You yeah. know what I mean? That those kids are are either the number 1 kicker on their team or they're going to the NFL. Like that you're you're just not going to be able to go out and find that and I I agree with you like <laughs> again Nothing that happened on Saturday made me feel good about the kicking situation. No. The place-kicking situation, I will say. The punting situation, look, the, the kid who's going to be the starting punter isn't even on campus right now. Yeah. So, you know, people need to take a breath on the punting. But the place-kicking, I, you know, in practice last year and then in the, what we were able to see in the spring, I thought Josh Bryan did a pretty good job. He was very accurate. Had the strongest leg but he was very accurate and mm-hmm. that betrayed him on Saturday there's no question about that yeah and I and I thought the little guy Groupie, had a had a a good leg I mean the ball just explodes off of his leg but I mean it just wasn't true you know on Saturday so they're gonna have to figure something out I, I thought that they were both going to be able to battle and the best man would win the job but Man, I, I would hate for them to you know, lose the game because they can't kick a field goal. I mean, a 48-yard field goal should be automatic at the D1 level, yeah.
1: period. Yep, yeah. I completely agree. I completely agree, and it was not automatic Saturday for for anybody. Let me ask you this, and I'm kind of springing this one on you because I usually yeah. shoot you a list of, of the questions I that we're going to ask. This is something – talked about here recently this idea was floated and it kind of came up from the athletic um you know about a week or so after Notre Dame announced the Tennessee State game FCS game and all that and the idea is rather than playing your you know basically your inter scrimmage at the end of spring play your FCS games at the end of spring so you uh, you free up a week, you know, like if you're going to play an FCS team, it frees you up a week during the season. So, like, you know, you have a second bye, and there's all this talk about, now, playoff expansion's not going to happen in the near future, but more likely than not, it's still going to happen at some point. But what they're saying is, play it at the end of spring, so you remove a game, you know, from your regular season, gives you an extra, you know, so like you could have two byes, If you wanted to, depending on, you know, what your how your schedule lays out and you're also putting a game at the end of spring, like a real game at the end of spring. So you're not just playing, you know, a scrimmage and you could also schools could could sell tickets for this thing. And it also kind of gives everybody some real college football product rather than just scrimmages, practice games. What do you think of this idea?
2: To be honest with you, I'm not a big fan of it, and here is why. I'm looking at it from a coach's perspective, right? And the end of spring, you are still missing a bunch of guys that made your team, okay, or that are going to make up your team in the fall. So you could look at it from this point of view. You lost a bunch of seniors, right, that 14 practices ago were on your team and were probably big contributors to your team. And then some schools are really going to be dependent on some incoming freshmen or transfers that aren't going to come in until summertime. So the team that you have on the field in April could be a completely different squad sure. than you're going to have in the fall. And so I just don't know that go, no, no, look, Notre Dame, I don't care who it is. If you're on scholarship at Notre Dame, you should defeat, you know,
1: Yeah.
2: <S-T>, right? I mean, So I'm not necessarily saying I'm worried about winning the game or losing the game. Okay. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm just saying it it would be almost a disservice to me, in my opinion, from a coaching standpoint, because you're going to have guys out there that may not even be out there in the fall because you just have massive holes. Like for example, the punter, right? They don't even have a scholarship punter on the roster right now. And now again, that's not going to be the difference between a win or a loss shouldn't okay? be the difference um,
1: should not be the difference
2: it should not be the difference but there's going to be some incoming freshmen that aren't going to get here until june we'll say tobias merriweather for example he's going to be a contributor on the depth chart at wide receiver and he'll probably be a contributor on special teams as well right um and that's just that's just one example but i i just you, you know you're not going to have your full squad you, you may only have 75 scholarship players or 70 scholarship players and again I'm not worried about Notre Dame losing this game, but it's just from a coaching standpoint, it's not the team that you're going to be putting on the field in the fall, so it would be it would be weird to be 1 and 0 going into the summer with almost a different team than you would see in the fall.
1: Yeah, and I'll I'll be honest, I was I was more into it before I saw Saturday's game. <laughs> than than I am right now. And now again, <laughs> now again, this you know, this is split squad. So you didn't have, you know, like a first team unit against a second team even or, you know, so it was sure, it sure. was straight split squad. You know, so like from an offensive line standpoint, if you actually had right. the full offensive line, I think things look a lot better, just, you know, in your ability to run the football. But you also sure. had significant guys who were not playing, you know, like Avery right. Davis has been out because of his, his knee injury. Um, Jarrett and, Patterson. Yeah, Jarrett Patterson is out right now because of, now again, against an FCS team, Zeke Corell should be fine at Absolutely. center. You know, but, um, you know, Joe Wilkins is out, obviously. Cam Hart is out. But like, from Notre Dame, like if you use Notre Dame as the example, they're in transition right now because you've got a new coaching staff or, you know, you've got a new head coach. You've got all these coaches. So, like, would you really want to have to play a real game at the end of spring rather than an exhibition game with, you know, just all these different variables? And then, like you said, they don't even have the real punter. They've got issues at kicker because you just lost a guy who's been kicking for, what, the last three years or, or whatever it is, you know, at this point. You just lost another quarterback. And what if like they said Tyler Buckner's injury wouldn't have kept him out of a real game but what if it was significant enough to keep him out of a real game and then you know like again Drew Pine should be good enough to go against an FCS team but you're 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 just in a completely different environment going through the spring as opposed to coming out of training camp gearing up for a regular season so i'm i'm just not uh, you know i'm i'm just not as into it right now after seeing you know all these different things that we saw saturday compared to how i felt maybe a couple weeks ago about this
2: well i think you know a lot of the guys that you mentioned about being out with injuries or whatever some of those guys are just recovering from some standard off-season kind of cleanup surgeries right yeah and if you are expected to play what is essentially a regular season game in the spring when do you do those surgeries right you know what i mean like oh, man, we need our center, so we're not going to have this cleanup surgery. Now we'll have it after, and then that starts to inhibit summer workouts and could inhibit the fall, you know, like the timelines kind of get screwed up to me at that point. Yeah. And you're going to start making decisions that may not be in the best interest of the student-athlete. Right. Uh, you know, and that, that worries me as well.
1: Yeah, because I'm not saying Marcus Freeman would, would make this – decision but there are coaches who would make a selfish decision and make a decision that's better for them than the players I think so right that's
2: absolutely correct
1: yeah all right we're going to take a timeout and we come back more rapid fire that includes some NFL draft talk the uh, Colts and the Bears neither one of them have first round picks but the Lions have the number two overall pick we'll uh, discuss what they might do with that pick Thursday nights and uh, just overall uh, you know what we think about. You know our excitement level for this draft going into uh, this weekend, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. That is coming up next with Vince Dario, Sean Steyers, Rapid Fire, and Budweiser's weekday sports beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Budweiser's weekday sports beat and Rapid Fire continue on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. About an hour from now, South Bend Cubs baseball. Pre-game at 7 15 they're at quad cities tonight and the forecast is looking good it's a little bit warmer than it is here but uh, sunshine out there so looking good to uh, get that game started on time tonight nfl draft thursday first round vince scale of one to ten rate your excitement level for this week's draft
2: Uh, like a four to be honest with you i mean You know, I look at it from, you know, I'm obviously a Bears fan. That's a well-known fact, right? And uh, they have no first-round pick. So, you know, Thursday, literally the only thing I'm interested in is where Kyle Hamilton goes, obviously. And then as a Notre Dame fan, after Kyle Hamilton, we're probably not going to see anybody picked until maybe the very end on Friday night in the third round with Kyron Williams, Right. more than likely. It's going to be the rest of them are all going to go on Saturday, or they're going to be undrafted free agents. So, even from a Notre Dame perspective, it's not even all that exciting, to be honest with you. So, and it sounds like the Bears are going to be selling off pieces and parts anyway. So, I, like for me, <laughs> it's, just, it's just not that exciting this year for me.
1: No, I, I I completely agree. You know, as a Cowboys fan, at least I have you know my team has a pick in the first round, but they're picking down at twenty fourth. You know. <laughs> It's again one of those typical years, good enough to make the playoffs, but good enough to bow out in the first round, you know, and have a, you know, a pick low enough so you don't have a good first round pick and that kind of thing. But I just think this is a bad quarterback draft, and you know, quarterbacks generally drive the buzz on the draft, and there just is none. So you know, mind just all those things that you said. Plus the fact that there are no quarterbacks. I put it, yeah, like in in your range. I'm a three or a four even. There is just no buzz because there are no – you know, there's there's nobody – there's no quarterback worthy of going at the top of the draft. And really, I said this last night, I wouldn't draft any of these quarterbacks in the first round. And the fact that – No. You know, like they're talking about Malik Willis and maybe even Kenny Pickett as high as six, depending on what the Carolina Panthers do. I just – I don't get it. I would not take any of these quarterbacks in the first round. And when you don't have true first round talent at quarterback, that you know, it it just kills the buzz for for your draft. And it doesn't matter if it's in Vegas or not. So it's just not that great a draft. And you know, outside of where's Kyle Hamilton going to go? Like for Notre Dame fans, that's really you know probably the only saving grace on this thing. And then you know, as you said, and there there are eight teams with two first round picks this year which is an all-time record you know so they're they're wow you know and just what you Colts and bears neither one of them have a first round pick so there's right. nothing you know there's there's nothing great for this area that's going to come out other than where Kyle Hamilton goes and so hopefully he doesn't plummet like some Notre Dame guys have done or that would really kill the buzz for the draft Thursday.
2: Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's any way he goes out of the first round. Obviously, no, I don't think I don't think he's
1: going to fall that far ever. But yeah,
2: yeah, the first round takes forever. I so, know. You know, I mean, if he doesn't go in the top ten, you're still looking at a couple hours in.
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. Well, the Lions do have the number two pick in the draft, and two players who have been projected to them are Michigan defensive end Aiden Hutchinson and Liberty quarterback. Malik Willis. So, if you were the Lions, who would you pick? Well, you
2: know, I guess, I guess if you're the Lions, it depends on how much faith you have in Jared Goff. I mean, <laughs> Jared, Go- Jared Goff. I mean, you, you obviously you got him in the trade, you know, from the Rams you, that sent Matt Stafford to win a Super Bowl, and you know, I thought that he was at the very least he was serviceable last year. I think if you put some guys around him, I don't. The offense wasn't the problem. For the lions last year i will say that the offense was not the problem it was the defense so depending on how you're trying to build this team i think they need i almost think they need to put their whole draft towards the defensive side of the ball uh to be honest with you and if that's the case then i guess you got to go with aiden hutchinson and start building around him on the defensive side of the ball i, I think jared goff can at the very least get you to next year where the quarterback class is a little bit better right uh, and you might have a better opportunity to get somebody look Malik Willis I'm sure could be a very good quarterback but you are projecting with him like as much as anybody at this exactly he's from Liberty for goodness sakes right and again he may be great he may be and maybe the Lions will regret not taking him but at the same time I feel like Aiden Hutchinson is a about as sure a thing as you can get, just from his pedigree and his dad, and you know what he's been able to do. He seems like a pretty good guy off the field. Like I think you are going to be in pretty good shape, and not to mention the fact he went to Michigan. So going to you know the Lions is not right. a bad situation. I, I just think that that's a home run pick uh, at that spot for them right
1: now. Yeah, I think that because of what you just finished up there about Hutchinson, it at least one he's he's a legitimate top of the draft. Type of guy. Whereas with Malik Willis, you're projecting and trying to figure out. You know, you know. It's like, t- to me, there's there's too much of the Trey Lance situation with Malik Willis to be taking him this high. Like, yeah. if, if you were taking him at the end of the first round, it's like, okay, then you could think about something. And the Lions actually do have a pick at the end of the first round. Like, if if they if they picked him, if they took him with that pick, this you know the the one later in the first round. That's a different story. But up here at number 2, Hutchinson is the guy with the actual legitimate credentials to be taking that high. He's a Michigan guy, you know, born and raised in Michigan. He went to Michigan. So on top of the fact that he's got the talent, it also gives you someone you can build your defense around. Like going this high, it's about two things. It's about the quarterback or it's about three things. The quarterback either the quarterback Protecting the quarterback, you know, left tackle or the guy who can get to the quarterback, the defensive end. So you build this thing around a proven, you know, legitimate high, you know, high draft pick type talent in Aiden Hutchinson, Uh and it also gives you someone you can market your team around because, you know, it's like they obviously got rid of their face of the franchise and Matthew Stafford last year when they made this trade and brought in. Jared Goff I just I, I just feel like you're reaching too much with Malik Willis because you're already saying well he's going to have to sit behind Jared Goff probably for a year again just like Trey Lance in San Francisco and then like well, look where the 49ers are they 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 don't have a guy a year later who they are 100 percent sure can be the starter and to me that's that's Willis there's sure there's a lot of upside in athleticism but I just if you're the Detroit Lions, I don't I don't think you want to be taking a guy at number 2 based on upside. You know, you you want someone who's, right. who's a proven commodity and that's what you get with Aiden Hutchinson.
2: Yep, I absolutely agree and the connection to Michigan doesn't hurt. You yep. know what I mean? Like right. I just, that just doesn't hurt. That's just that's like the cherry on top, frankly.
1: Yep, exactly. All right, we'll take another timeout. Miguel Cabrera got his 3,000th career hit over the weekend. We'll talk about that and a couple other interesting topics as well when we continue. Some sports movies on the horizon. We'll see what Vince thinks about uh, some of these possibilities. But uh, we'll do that when we return on Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Rapid Fire and Budweiser's weekday sports speak continue on Sports Radio 960 WSBT along with Vince D'Addario, Sean Stiers, Vince, Miguel Cabrera of the Detroit Tigers just got his 3,000th career hit over the weekend. Here's my question for you. Which baseball milestone do you think is going to be more difficult to reach going forward? 3,000 hits for a hitter, 300 wins for a pitcher.
2: Well, that's a really good question because I think both are going to be really tough to hit uh, because right now the way baseball is, you're either hitting a home run or you're striking out. Yeah. Like base hits are not a thing. I mean, they're just it's not even really a thing anymore, which is mind-boggling to me. Um, but I think overall, though, I think getting the 300 wins is going to be the most difficult because more and more we're seeing pitch count situations with guys. They're just not – Sometimes they're not even going long enough to even get a win, mm-hmm. um, you know. And so I feel like some of those starts are even wasted for that matter. So I, I think getting to 300 is going to be very, very difficult for anybody moving forward.
1: I agree. And, you know, when I initially kind of thought this up, I, I, I thought, well, you know, maybe maybe the hits just because of how – I mean, both the the hit in general and the win – for pitchers have both become devalued. But like Jose Altuve is the active leader active hits leader in baseball right now. He has just under 1800 hits. Mike Trout has a little over 1400 hits and you know those guys are 31 and 30 years old. So they've got some time, but still it's like you know injuries, you never know, you know what's going to happen right. with these guys. I so you know, I, I do think that we're going to see fewer and fewer 3,000 hit guys. And the fact that Miguel Cabrera, Miguel Cabrera is even there and kind of hung around this long, I, I you know, I, I think that speaks to him as well. But, like, so, like, even as hard as 3,000 hits is going to be, Justin Verlander is the career wins leader. He's 39, and he's only got 227 wins. And this is a guy with multiple wow. Cy Youngs. Zach Greinke. 217 career wins. Max Scherzer 193 career wins. Those are the three active wins leaders, and it, it's just just what you said. It's like you get if you get to the sixth inning now as a starting pitcher, you just don't have the horses like you used to. You just don't ride a starting pitcher, and the earlier you come out of a game, you know the the easier it is for the bullpen to give up a lead obviously you know and so unless they change the requirement you know you know with with analytics for what it takes to qualify for a win I I I think it's the wins as well I just I think that 300 wins you know one it's going to become less significant and you're you're just going to see less and less of it I think going forward you just you just don't have the guys go as deep into games as you used to
2: yeah and it's a shame I mean it really is a shame and it it's almost like 200 wins is going to be the new 300 wins. Yeah. And it I mean, that's a, a significant difference. And, and you can go by the math, obviously, and tell me it's, you know, two-thirds. And I get all that. But I'm just <laughs> saying, like, 100 wins is a significant difference. Because remember, back in the day, if you got to 20 wins, like, okay, great. You know, you got to 20 wins. Like, that wasn't really that big of a deal. Yeah. Now people don't even sniff 20 anymore. And so, I mean, or it's a, very, it's a rarity, you know? And mm-hmm. so getting to 300 is going to be extremely difficult, and I, I'm going to be very surprised if we see it happen again.
1: Yeah, I mean, Max Scherzer's a Hall of Fame pitcher, and he only has 193 wins at the age of 37 right, right now. Right, right, exactly. And, you know, I mean, you know, we were just talking about Cabrera and the Tigers, and it's, it just dawned on me, Verlander and Scherzer, of course, <laughs> former tiger teammates and they're both going to the hall of fame and you know with other teams right now so tigers fans i know got to be really happy about that all right right there are three at least three sports movies in the works here are three that i've just heard about in the last few days one jane Fonda's is making a movie about a group of women who go on a road trip to see tom brady play in the super bowl Apparently, it's based on a true story of when Brady and the Patriots played the Falcons a few years back. Two, Angelo Pizzo, who made Hoosiers and Rudy, is making a movie about the first Indy 500. And three, Matt Damon and Ben Affleck are teaming up. This isn't as much a sports movie, but it's related to sports, I guess. But they're teaming up to play Nike executive Sonny Vaccaro and Nike co-founder, Phil Knight. So, which of those three interests you the most?
2: Oh, baby! I tell you, um, I can tell you which one interests me the least. Okay. And that would be the Jane Fonda to watch.
1: Had a feeling. Tom
2: Brady. <laughs> that that's definitely third, it's a, and it's a distant third. Uh huh. Um, the the one with with Matt Damon and Ben Affleck sounds interesting. As far as you know, the origins of Nike and all that—that that, that sounds interesting to me. Uh-huh. But I'm going to go with the proven track record of Rudy and Hoosiers, and I'll go with the second one about the original Indy 500. Uh, is I believe what you said. Um, that that's where I'm going to go. I, I think that could be really good.
1: Yeah. See if if it wasn't Angelo Pizzo in the connection right. with him making Hoosiers and Rudy that might not interest me as much but there's I, I do at least have a little more interest because of the fact that he's involved with that and I mean he's right he's made two classic sports movies I kind of lean toward the Damon and Affleck because okay you know like it's they just did that movie what a year or so ago about the night or whatever and it's it, it really kind of fizzled that was their first collaboration since Goodwill hunting but this like the whole, the, you know, the origins of Nike and the fact that you've got Vaccaro, Phil Knight, the fact that they're going to be in it, Ben Affleck is going to direct it. And, you know, Affleck has had his his share of misses, uh, you know, oh, yeah. in, in terms of acting. But his direct. you know, when he's direct, you know, like I met, we were talking last week about the movie Argo, for example, when we were talking about winning time and all that, and... Uh, that movie ended up getting I don't think I don't know I can't remember if the movie got you know best picture but or the screenplay definitely did but he's done better as a director so I like him as a director and I like the, the Damon Affleck combo so I lean toward that one myself.
2: Very nice. I I'll go with you.
1: Okay. Last question tonight. An estate sale was held this past weekend to sell Alex Trebek's belonging Trebek, of course, the uh the late jeopardy host so if you could buy or well for example you could buy one of his robes for 250 dollars or you could even you could even buy his light fixtures as long as you were willing to remove them yourself apparently from his house which is interesting like would they would they turn the electricity (laughs) off for you for example to remove the light fixtures i don't know but my, grief. my question, is there a celebrity or athlete whose stuff, you know, like, you know, like if you could go to an estate sale of some celebrity or athlete, whose stuff would you want to buy? Is there anyone who would do it for you?
2: You know, this is a really good question. And I know that there's a lot of people out there that love this kind of stuff. Uh-huh. They, they, You know, they, they want to have, you know, the, the napkin that somebody used right. or something along those lines, like. That has never done it for me, Sean. Like, none of that stuff has ever done it for me. Um, I, there, there are very few pieces of maybe sports memorabilia that I would like to get my hands on that would never happen, like the ball that Anthony Rizzo caught to win the, the World Series. Right. You know what I mean? Like, that would be pretty stinking cool. Um, you know, something along those lines. But other than that, there's not a whole lot of, like, personal property that I would ever want from another human being, like that, just does <laughs> not float my boat in any way.
1: I'm the same way. It's like, I you, know, it's like I, I, you know, it's like, how cool, you know, it, it, it wouldn't be that cool to go. Yeah, I've got Trebek's robe, you know, back in right. <laughs> Back in the bedroom, you want to see me like wear? I was,
2: wait- I was waiting for you to tell me, like his mustache comb or something like that. Yeah, you know exactly, what
1: I mean? <laughs> exactly. It's like, do I, you know, do I really, do I really want, you know, like Jerry Lewis's letter opener, you know, something like that? It just, it would not be that cool. I'm like you. It's like the sports memorabilia. You know, there's plenty of guy. You know, like, oh, if I could have Gary Carter's Game Six World Series jersey, you know, or something, you know, right. or, or, or like you said. You know, like the ball, you know, that Anthony Rizzo caught to win the world. You know, those kind of things, yeah. But just to have some random item from some deceased celebrity or ball player, that just doesn't do it for me. You know, like, you know, I just I just don't think it would be that, you know, like even if you had a frame picture of, you know, something, you know, from, from you know, some guy's wall, I just I, – That doesn't do it for me. The sports memorabilia I could go for, but like you said, I don't have that kind of money. You know, you could, you could drop 25 bucks, you know, and, and, and get some, you know, random shirt or or just whatever, you know, like the, the, you know, flower (laughs) display from from (laughs) someone's end table. I just, that doesn't do it for me. I'm sorry.
2: No, no, it's, it's weird to me, to be honest with you. Like, it, it, it's it's just weird. Like it, Some of the stuff that people own of other people's stuff is just it's weird, man. Yeah. I'm sorry. I apologize to anybody out there that is really into that kind of stuff. But to me, it's just weird. And yeah. it's probably because I just get rid of so much stuff anyway of my own that why would I want somebody else's stuff? Like, That's that
1: it. Doesn't, That's it. I that can't even keep my stuff years. around because my wife pitches it before it collects dust. So <laughs> Exactly. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. If you're into it, that's fine, but I'm just not that into it. Vince, nope. enjoyed it as always. I will talk to, you, talk to you at the end of the week. Have a good week.
2: Yes, yeah, sir. You do the same.
1: All right. Vince D'Addario, Sean Styers We're brought to you by Budweiser, Tim Growl State Farm Insurance, Barnabys of Mishawaka, and Granger and the Food Bank of Northern Indiana. South Bend Cubs baseball pregame show starts at 7.15. First pitch, 7.30, coming up on WSBT South Bend.